the artist's brain is an independent variable. When brought into the everyday world, their senses find meaning in even the most mundane observations. The reaction must only be told by the artists themselves. I'm Loverboy, and this is an experiment. Today's guest is an artist, producer, instrumentalist, and co-founder of the band's Lettuce, Soul Live. He's worked with Nora Jones, 50 Cent, Quincy Jones, and many, many others. He's found a name as one of today's best guitar players and still finds time to become a husband and a father. Soon to be going on tour with his new band, please welcome the man himself, Eric Krasno. Hey. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for that lovely introduction. Of course. Thank you so much for uh, coming <laughs> on and, and talking with me today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I got uh, the whole, almost the whole rest of the band. Yeah, I actually checked out uh, like some excerpts that that they posted. Um, okay. It was funny hearing James uh, James's because like I don't get his perspective in that same way uh, <laughs> directly, Absolutely. you know, but that was, that was, so that, that was funny. But I love all those guys so much. Yeah. And we actually have a rehearsal later today and we rehearsed a little bit last night and yeah, what a great crew. I'm, I'm really fortunate uh, to, to play with that band. The heaviest hitters in the world. They're just so talented and yeah. you couldn't have found a nicer group of people. Yeah, exactly. That, that, you know, and something I, you know, discovered over time is that you know finding that combination of like just people you want to hang out with but that also inspire you musically that's just such a rare and and awesome combination so if you can find that hold on to it you know absolutely and it seems to it it helps the music in the long run too when you can find some people that that can jam equally as talent wise, but also yeah. give you the energy that you need. Like somebody like Curtis Kelly, you can't, you can't be down when you're around him. He's just such a, yeah. a positive yeah. force. This is true. My wife was just saying that last night. She was like, Curtis is so positive. You can't, there's no way. Yeah. Like you said, you can't, you can't be negative around, around that. It's just impossible. Such, such good people. And, and, uh, yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity of, of following your music since, you know, I was going to festivals back in the day and, and going to all these, these shows. And I, I was a big fan of Lettuce. I loved Soul Live. And now you're doing a project that's, that's really yours. It's all yours. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's Eric Krasno and the Assembly? Yep. Yep. Yeah. The album is just under my name, Eric Krasno. But uh, the band kind of formed after the album was created i made the album with otis mcdonald who you've had on the show right yeah and uh so it kind of the band formed after the fact uh we because once we made the record we're like man we need to like create a band around this or once we started making the record and it's it was an interesting story how it came together because um Otis and I, Joe, his real, I'll refer to him as Joe, it's easier. Yeah. But Joe, Joe and I met through Will, who is in my band now, Will Blades, who's an amazing keyboard player, organ player, who I've known for probably 15 years, if not longer. He's so good. And yeah, he's amazing. And me, he and I have mostly played like organ, like soul jazz and like organ music, you know, yeah. but he was moving to LA and, and I had just moved here. And, you know, he was just like, have you checked out Joe, Otis, and uh, Otis and I linked up through the internet. And I started checking out his Instagram stuff. And 
he started, he, he was like, Hey, I'm a fan of soul live and this, that, and the other. And I'm, you know, we just ended up collaborating on a song for this compilation project called song aid. We did the song man and me. I had just been learning that song. I sent him like literally just guitar vocal and like, percussion or something. Mm-hmm. And he sent me back this beautifully arranged produced track. And I was like, Holy shit. You know, and this was during lockdown, you know, so I'm like, well, maybe we can actually create this way. Cause I was like going to make an acoustic album. I was like sitting in a room, this room. And I'm yeah. like, well, if I'm going to be in here, let me record some shit. But then, uh, once I heard what he was doing and we both had our studios, we both had internet and we we're like, okay, we can work like this. And so it started with that song. And then I just started sending him all the different, these things I was writing. And, uh, it became this like beautiful combination you know of vibes of his vibe and well and we were just so on the same page he also had a one-year-old son at the time and my Mm -hmm. wife was pregnant with a boy so like we just taught we would just like became facetime zoom whatever buddies because like we had nowhere to go it's crazy how you adapt it's crazy because like i'd never even heard of zoom uh, the beginning you know beginning of 2020 and then we started using this this other thing called pedal where we would could collaborate right through it and we could watch each other in the corner and and work on music and he'd like hit mute and be like oh i just added this and he'd be like and he'd send it to me and i'd add some bass and then i'd add some guitars and he'd add a background vocal and we'd be like working we found this pattern of working on music that was so cool anyway so we recreated the album you know, I'm giving you the quick right now. We can go into details if you want later, but oh, I'm trying to get to the fact that I had been working with James the eighth for a while and producing his stuff and kind of like in a way mentoring him. And he had kind of had that same relationship with Curtis. And so when we were halfway through making the record, he was like, Hey man, you know, you should really meet Curtis. He lives in your, in your area. He's a great drummer. He's a great producer. He's kind of like, I've been like, you know, mentoring him. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, come to think of it, you know, we need another vocal and we need another guitar in the band. Like James would be perfect. And then Will was like the connection between it all, you know? So it was just, was the perfect combination. And I was really stoked that, that Otis Joe wanted to be in the band, you know, cause he's got his whole studio thing and all his thing going on. So anyway, that's why it became kind of the assembly. Cause I was like, you know, I was like kind of seeing like Voltron in my head of like yeah. all these different artists that that are artists in their own right. Absolutely. Know? And that's the 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 concept of the band. Um, besides presenting the music from this album that we're making, is also to like showcase different people throughout the night, um, and and let different people lead. You know, kind of like the band, the band. You know, like yeah, Levon Robbie Robertson, the band. So. Um, that's a long explanation, but that's kind of like how it all came together. Well, I think it's really cool that you're giving people who have the talent the opportunity to shine as well. Because that's a that's a big part of what I talk about on my podcast is, is there's so many people out there, and James is a really great example of, of somebody who is so unbelievably talented and just maybe hasn't got the, the correct shot yet and yeah, the correct yeah. opportunity to show him what he does. I agree. And that's the same with Curtis and I'm sure Will's no different. I mean, it's just when you're at that high caliber of, of musicianship, but you haven't had the right platforms or whatever it is to show what you can do. It's a lot harder to preach to an audience that isn't there. When you were starting off, is there somebody that did that for you? 
Uh, there was tons of people. I mean, when Soul Live started out, uh, you know, O'Teal Burbridge, who was with the Allman Brothers and now a dead company, he was like a major, uh, you know, supporter. John Schofield early on, Quest Love, The Roots, you know, have have put me on many different things. Um, shit there's so many i don't even know like you know so many throughout the years that have helped us out and put us in the position where we could could shine in front of people so many people like in the industry too pete shapiro who owned the wetlands and he owns the brooklyn bowl and runs lock-in and all that stuff Derek trucks and susan tedeschi in many cases have helped me and and believed in me um yeah, I mean, I feel like that list is a mile long, but Absolutely. that that anyone that has a career uh, at all can t- can can if, if they're they're lying if they're telling you <laughs> that that they didn't have people help them out along the way. You know, everyone Absolutely. does. Yeah, you got to find the people that are willing to bet on you um, in yeah. the same way that you're willing to bet on yourself. Yeah. Was there a I moment agree. that you kind of realized it was time to jump both feet in and and really go all in on on betting on yourself? Well, I think that happened really early for me. I mean, that happened when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and I'm fortunate to have a very supportive, like creative, like artistic family. Um, my mom was a, a, a sculptor and a painter and an artist. And my dad was a musician, not by trade, but he was a musician and my brother as well. And music was in my family. My uncle started out as a, as a bass player and became uh, he, he, a, an agent. Um, so it was around me, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, are in, you know, their family just sees music as something you do for fun. It didn't, it's not necessarily a, a job option. Absolutely. For me, I saw, I had, there was examples in front of me of, of you could do, you can do this, you know? Um, I didn't know how to do it by any means, but um, I didn't really know that I could do anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like once I was in high school and like obsessed with music, um, it really became clear to me that I, that's what I had to do, you know? And uh, I met uh, the Lettuce guys when I was in high school. Um, and that was a huge thing for me too, because it's just like meeting other kids my age with that same passion mm. um, was really crucial. Cause I was like 15 when I met those guys and you know, my hometown I was kind of an outlier. I was like the only kid like in my basement really serious about wanting to play music. I, I had a couple of friends that were into it, but not that same way. So when I met the lettuce guys, I was like, Oh man, like there's kids my age that are way better than me, you know, that are like kicking ass and they're like, like devoted to this. And that inspired me a lot. That's the you room know? we need to be in the one with the yeah. people that are the best of the best. And yeah. the ones that are going to get you to be better than you are at whatever moment you're in. Exactly. Have you have you always been into the the world of like live music? I mean, I know that you might have got a little shied away from it when Lonnie Smith told you he didn't like your shoes. You <laughs> know, <laughs> um, well, that was that. It was way before that. Like, but that that's a funny one. Thank but you, uh, the. Yeah, yeah, the white shoes. That was like my signature thing for a while. Was I always had white, really white, clean Air Force Ones? I don't know why, but it was just like a thing. I just was super into that. And uh, yeah, I never after Lonnie Smith like stepped on my my white uh, sneakers in the studio. I, I I switched up my game. But uh, but uh, 
bef- way before that, you know, I, I actually, when I was um, in school, I wanted to be a producer. I mean, that was what I set out. Like my last year of college, like I was, you know, lettuce formed in college. We kind of broke off because everyone started doing different things. Mm-hmm. And I really started focusing on production and, and engineering and right. You know, I wanted to be a producer. Yeah. And, uh, halfway through my senior year of college, uh, I ran into the soul live guys and they told me what they were planning to do. And they were trying to create this band. And I, loved them as players i was a fan of them from their previous bands and uh so it it kind of flipped right there i was like oh here's an opportunity to like play with these great players and focus on being a guitarist because at the time i like played bass i played guitar i was like producing and learning engineering and like Mm -hmm. thinking that that was my path my my roommate at the time was jeff basker i don't know if you're aware of him he's like he ended up being one of the biggest producers ever, you know? And, uh, so I learned a lot from him. He's always been like a a close friend and, and inspiration. And we had a little studio in our place together and we were making tracks and working with people. Like, I mean, a lot of people we worked with at that time or over those few years have become like, you know, massive. And, uh, but then, you know, I, I got the bug to be in a band, you know, which I didn't think was going to happen. It was really just that there were that, that opportunity was so perfect. I landed in, in the lap of soul life, you know, and they were like already had the van and the, an, an agent and the tour schedule yeah. and like the whole thing set up. And I was like, Oh man. Cause before I was trying to be the manager, the agent, the driver, the everything for lettuce. And it, it was hard to keep that up. Yeah, so when I met, yeah and also it was a lot of members of the band and fluctuating members and it wasn't it wasn't like a a nucleus of like let's do this and like go for it and the soul live dudes it was three of us we had a very unique sound you know and i but i did not really um know how to play that music at that time i had written a lot of songs and stuff and i was into that music but i didn't like know the like soul jazz like idiom you know, totally. I was like, I I had always played a Stratocaster and played funk, and so I like bought a a, a, a hollow body guitar at a pawn shop on the way to this first session, and oh, wow. like kind of faked it. So that first day we got together, which is when we recorded the EP Get Down. You know, I was playing through this like fifty dollar guitar and kind of like faking my way through it, but you know, we just started playing tons of shows and. It, it evolved as we went, but you know, we instantly had a vibe, you know, yeah. may, I mean, the two of them together are brothers. And so their rhythmic thing was so locked. So I had this amazing foundation to play on top of. And Neil is just like a harmonic genius. I mean, he's a genius on every yeah, level. Absolutely. And they both, and, and Al beyond being a drummer is just a great musician and a great engineer. So being in the band, really changed my life and my entire trajectory you know like i thought i was going to be a studio guy and then i kept that going throughout the soul live years you know i was Mm -hmm. producing on the side and doing it was at that time there was no real social media so like they were two very defined different lives for me like they didn't in they didn't cross it was like i was like in the studio doing like hip-hop and like working with like 
A&R people and Interscope and, and, and they, they'd be, I would be like, Hey, I gotta go. I'm in a band. You know what I mean? And then like, we'd go like to a sold out Fillmore show and they'd be like, what? Like, cause like they didn't understand what scene that we were in. You know, they didn't, there was no way to like, be like Eric Krasner, like, where do, what are you, who are you? You know, it's very disconnected. At it least so it was disconnected. Nowadays, if I'm in the studio with Chance the Rapper one day and then the next day I'm like playing with like Phil and friends, you can go to my Instagram and understand me. Like yeah. at that point, that was not a thing. Like they didn't know. I, there, I remember being in the studio uh, with Talib Kweli and uh, and um, this guy named Crondon who was like, who was an exhibit. I produced a song for Exhibit at the time and I was doing Kweli's record and I was in the studio and uh, Kweli was the only person that kind of knew both because Kweli had done a record with Soul Live but uh, like a remix thing back in the day and high tech and they were fans, you know, but I remember being in the studio with Exhibit and like all these West Coast rappers and this dude Crondon came over and I'm like messing around with an NPC trying to like figure out what we're doing for this track. And he comes over and he's like, man, you look just like dude from Soul Live, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> but he, like, but he you couldn't believe connect it. that it would be the same guy. You know what I mean? And I was like, damn, this dude knows Soul Live. Holy shit. What a diverse portfolio to have, to, to be working on a Soul Live record, to be doing Lettuce, to be producing a Nora Jones record and a 50 Cent or an exhibit. Like it's, I, I feel like that's a, a really big key to never getting bored with your craft is to be as diverse yeah. as possible. And it's all Yeah, well, we were always into that. And I got to give a quick shout out to Adam Deitch because a lot of that, a lot of the hip hop stuff that I did was with him, you know, and he was very much, um, a part of all of that fire department was our like production team at the time. And we were just like, we would make beats just every day, all day, every day. And the thing is at the time, the, the hustle in, in that way was like, okay, we got to make all these beats and try to get them in the hands of like these artists, which was this crazy game you know oh, of like try to get it in this person's hand and like selling yourself and all this shit and nowadays producers just make records yeah you know what i mean so like i remember we used to have our stuff on like myspace oh yeah you know what i mean we'd be like go to myspace here are beats but if you want a real beat like email me and i'll get you a cd it was like we are we'd have like stacks of cds we'd go to like hip-hop shows or wherever and we try to hustle you know That's so and, or cool. and we'd like, meet managers and agent or whoever and that was how you would get and you know you'd make like a hundred beats to the like in like one out of those would get placed you know and that's all by hand or by by you know by ear it's there, there's no text message there's no yeah. There's no we DM. couldn't email the beat at that point. I don't think. I mean, I guess like halfway through that, we figured out how to email the beat. Yeah. But at first, it was like a seat beat CD. That was the whole thing. Like, yo, we what? Let me you get your beat CD. That was it. And um, specifically with the Fifty Cent thing, you know, he's there. We didn't know what was going on for like a nine months. Like, we just knew he was down with us. You know what I mean? He was like, he like rapped on a bunch of beats. They were and the dude that was the go between kept being like yo 50s feeling these beats and we were like oh word and then like oh he rapped on this these three and we'd be like oh damn but then they'd be like oh but he just recorded 70 songs and we don't know which making the yeah. record and then finally we found out right before okay your song's on the record it's the first song on the record and we were like oh my god um and at that time he was like the biggest 
artists in the world. Absolutely. But, uh, and, and back then you got paid for things. You know? Yeah. Now it's you got to wait six months to find out you're not getting paid. Yeah. And, you know, we would get, we would get advances and all those things. I mean, it wouldn't happen often, but when it did, it was substantial. But now the game is so different. I mean, because I like eventually I started meeting people like Grizz and initially Pretty Lights was the one that really opened mm-hmm. my eyes because he, and I don't know if he, he kind of stumbled into, his path a little bit you know and he was a beat maker but he had no access to give beats to rappers you know or and like i feel like that was a really important change in history to me is like when when producers became artists you know and he was like well he kind of got to this point where he was like okay i can't sell these beats and i kind of like hearing them instrumental might as well use, you them. know, might as well just play them in front of people and do concerts, you know, and I, that never really crossed our mind. Like we did shows as fire department, but it was always like, we'd have like 10 rappers, yeah. you know, and singers. Um, you built an empire off of it. Yeah. And I remember being like, I, like the, my, my mind completely exploded. Me and Deitch were in Denver and there was like a scene bubbling up out of the pretty lights thing. And there was paper mm. diamond and yeah. big gigantic was like just starting. They were, sh- in fact, Dom from big gigantic was like showing me how to use Ableton. I was still lugging around an MPC and a keyboard and like cases and media yeah. cables everywhere. And like he, I remember he like made a beat, closed his laptop and just walked away, opened it up again. And the beat was still there. And I was like, what are you? Oh my God. How did what you do trip. that? Meanwhile, I would spend hours, you know, like backing up in MIDI files and samples and just like to get a drum, just to get drum sounds, bro. We used to like dig in record stores to get a snare for three days. Now you like go to Splice and there's 700 snares, you know. The hard part now is picking out which one you want out of the, the thousands. Yeah, well, I mean, that that is a huge thing. There's a reason why Pete Rock records still sound better than anything else, yep. you know, because he went with the sound he you know sometimes less is more you know he would do so that's all dude listen to pete's instrumentals volume one done on an sb 1200 and name any beat making anything that's better than that that's nothing to me and like that's made with the most like dinosaur machine yeah well you know limitation brings creativity a lot of the time, not all the time, yeah. but a lot of the time. And and yeah. I, that's what I, whenever somebody says, oh, I don't have that microphone. I can't do it. Bullshit. Yeah. Go, yeah. go buy a 50, use 57 for $75 and you can, you can do a record. Yeah. Oh, easily. You, you can make need. records on your laptop that sound incredible now. Incredible. It's on Or on an iPhone or an iPad. Absolutely. It can be you know? so mobile. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this up, I wanted to, to end this with a question and, and what is it like? having this whole career and working your ass off to be able to now afford to raise a child with the money that that you make from doing what you love. That's, that's gotta be a pretty crazy feeling to know that your kid will be able to have a great life off of you being a musician and being an artist. You know, um, I find, you know, myself very very grateful i think one of the great things that's happened in the last couple of years too like that one of the silver line like i've had many silver linings in this lockdown kind of period obviously family but the biggest one is gratitude for everything and being able to do what 
I love and rarely feeling like I don't want to do whatever I'm doing. You know, like I've whittled it down to like everything I do every day is something that is attached to something I love, you know? So that's all you can really ask for, you know? And if you get a great goal, yeah, it's the greatest, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, you know, it's, it's stressful sometimes to know that I have to support a family and a create with, with a creative life because, you know, um, I will have to face like, okay, I got to go do this or that. And there's no, I have no pension. I have no uh, guarantee of anything. It's just all about output. And you got to like, you know, because you got to create for yourself to a certain degree in terms of like, you have to love what you're making first and foremost. But in order to make a living, other people also have to like it and have to pay for it and consume it in some sort of way. So there's a little bit of like, I'm not going to say I don't get anxiety over that. Um, especially when it comes to like touring and selling tickets and yeah. all sorts of things. But the fact that, um, every day my like quote unquote work, um, is also what I would do anyway. If I didn't have to pay, if I didn't have to pay bills and I didn't have to do anything, I'd still make music. Absolutely. You and know? I think that's the connecting point. And that's why finding a group of people to be in a band is such an easy group to have as friends as well is because you have this central point of at the end of the day, I need to make my music and I need, I need to, that's, that's my, that's my stress reliever. That's how I can get on with my days. I have to have a little bit of this at least. And if you can make a career out of it, even better and in finding the balance between keeping it a passion and work is probably a, a big dichotomy that you have to face within this industry when you, yeah. when you start finding some success. You're absolutely right. I think the one, you know, one of the things there's a lot of there, you'll find negatives and positives, positives in in everything. Um, And when it comes to like the internet and social media and all that, there's certainly negatives, but the positives are that if you make great music and and it's like true and really uh, true, because everyone has a unique voice. If you're speaking that unique voice and you're doing it and you're working hard at it, people will hear you people will appreciate you you know what i mean and um you don't have to like be discovered necessarily anymore you know what i mean you can just really just work hard and be true and your your music will will get out there so that's a beautiful thing i'm i'm kind of like coming into it on the later end of things in terms of like social media because i'm not necessarily as uh as versed as some of the youngins are but uh I still can appreciate it, you know, and I, 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 I'm always searching too. like, there's so many great artists that I find like daily that I wouldn't find, you know? So that's, that's a beautiful thing too. Well, I, I really, really appreciate you uh, coming on here and talking and I've, I've been a fan of your music and I've been a fan of your friends as well for such a long time. I love the group Thanks, that man. you surround yourself with and they, a lot of them have become mentors to me, including James and Curtis are two of my, my most appreciated mentors in the world. They've done nice. so much for me. And I know that a lot of what they've got is from you. So I appreciate that. Absolutely, and, man. And you know, I grew up, I grew up with Grant being my cousin's best friend and getting to watch him do this and, and hear your voice quite a bit because of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Grant's another one. I mean, he kind of took a chance on me at that point. Cause like I had just started kind of like singing. I was really songwriting more than singing yeah. on those tracks. And he was like, oh man, we're going to use your voice. I was like, whoa, okay. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, like that, that Such was the moment people. where I was like, Oh, should I like be you know? And, and since then I've gotten a little more confident with it, but he was, uh, he's, he's a great dude and, and really, uh, a supporter, um, of They're my crew and everything. Yeah. Absolutely. And wait, what he's done with his, like his career and he's so good. just like his whole, vibe and he's such a creative just amazing cat i love watching him just keep evolving and progressing and yeah well i'm coming for you grant you're coming on soon i'm gonna get you yeah tell him i said what's up eric thank you so much for this and i really appreciate you coming on it's it's been a, a lot of fun thanks for having me and to everybody listening i'm eric krasno and this is an experiment goodbye everybody Experience is the experiment. <laughs>